As you strap a Christmas tree to the roof of your car, drive it home, and begin setting it up with a bunch of decorations, you'll probably start thinking about what presents will be placed around its trunk. But you might be surprised to learn that you won't find the best Christmas gift of all under the tree on December 25. You'll find it somewhere else. Welcome to Signs of the Times Radio. Welcome back to Science of the Times Radio, and it's almost Christmas time, and that means, obviously it means, that we get Kimberly McMurray onto the show. How are you doing, Kimberly? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Your voice is not familiar for our audience because we've never had you on the podcast before. In fact, you've never written for the magazine before either. Tell us, Kimberly, what is it that you actually do? Yeah, so I'm a communication student at Deakin University. I'm currently entering my third year, and I also work for the Seventh-day Adventist Church as a communications coordinator. Awesome. So how long have you been interested in media for? Actually, only the past couple of years. I was originally, I actually moved to Melbourne to study law and I ended up getting a job as a freelance writer on a contract basis with a company and they, yeah, they they offered me more work over the past year and then I kind of felt that that was where God was leading me to go. So I, I changed my whole degree from law to communications and I ended up getting more work more work for the church in particular, and more work just freelancing as well. Yeah, so here I am. <laughs> I know a lot of people who actually who, who do law or media or do, do a double degree with law and media or they, like you, do law and then media. So yeah. it seems to be a, a pretty popular combo, but that's really cool what you just said. I actually don't know too much about your background. So are you originally from Melbourne? Is your family in Melbourne? So my dad and his family are in Melbourne currently, and my mum and her family are in New South Wales, in Newcastle. So I was, I am originally from Melbourne, and then I moved to Newcastle with my mum. I lived there for 10 years, and then I just moved back to Melbourne. So Kimberly, it's coming up towards the end of the year. Now, you wrote an article for us where you detail your methodology, I guess, coming up to Christmas time. Now, this year has been a difficult one for you as well as for me because we've both been in states that have been locked down for most of the year. We're both coming out of it. Is that making this Christmas look different to any other one you've experienced in the past? Uh, Yeah, definitely. I think this Christmas, I feel like I'm a lot more grateful for just like the little things, being able to go out and even just go shopping to buy a gift where you know, you couldn't do that before with the lockdowns, even just going over to somebody's house or just being able to go outside and like not wear a mask, all of those things. I think there's definitely more of an attitude of just gratefulness compared to last, like all the past Christmases. I feel like we take a lot of things for granted. And yeah, this lockdown has been a reminder of all the little things. Yeah. Yeah. So are you planning on 
on having Christmas with the, the folks up north or with the folks in Melbourne. What are your plans for this year? So this year, actually, my family from Melbourne, we're all going to Sydney for a few days. And oh, okay. Yeah, so we're just going to stay in the city and just relax together. We feel like we need a break from all of the, the stressfulness of this year and just a little escape from Melbourne. So, yeah, we're, we're just going to have a very casual Christmas this year. Yeah, that brings true for like some of my mates in Melbourne as well who are just so keen to get out. And same for us in Sydney. For myself, going to be heading to Adelaide where my folks are as well. So kind of cool to get out and it will definitely be a, a well-earned respite, I guess, from all of our suffering, I guess, that we've experienced this year. But, you know, you just mentioned something there which alludes to your character. So would you call yourself, as far as getting ready for the Christmas period, you know, in the past, how it's worked for you, would you call yourself an organized person? How do you go about buying gifts and getting ready for that part of Christmas? Uh, Yeah, I'm definitely a very organized person. I feel like I am always looking for for gifts, like for Christmas. It doesn't matter how early it is in the year. If I see something that I like, I probably will like take note of it or take a photo of it just in case for future and then maybe come back to it later and then just like continually like throughout the year, I'm always on the lookout. Yeah, I'm very prepared. (laughs) So is this for your immediate family members? How far do you go? Because, you know, once you start thinking about gifts to buy for people, your list can get quite long and then your bank account can get quite drained. Yeah, that's so true. Honestly, yeah, just for my immediate family members and some very close friends. I try not to like extend too far. I think there has been a couple of Christmases where maybe I've got a little bit too far and my bank account has been very drained at the end of it. Yeah, so now I've just limited myself to, yeah, close friends and family. Is this what you're like as a person that you really appreciate giving gifts or is it just something that you do this specific time of the year around Christmas time? Because I know like one of the love languages, one of them is giving gifts. Would you say that that's one of your ones as far as to your your family and friends? I think, yeah, definitely giving gifts. I'm as far as like receiving gifts, I'm not really like a person who likes to receive gifts. I'm more of someone who likes to give them, <laughs> if that really? makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> what is it about it? Is it like the satisfaction of seeing someone become happy when you give them something? Yeah. It's just knowing, I don't know, like I know how much time and effort like I put towards finding that gift and like picking out that gift specifically for somebody's personality or you know, specifically based of what they like and just seeing them open it and yeah, knowing that they love it is, it's so satisfying. Yeah, definitely. So has there ever been a time when you've bought someone a gift, let's say Christmas or otherwise, and you're like, this is so perfect for them. And then their reaction just like totally made the whole thing, thing worth it. I think definitely birthdays and Christmases. Yeah. Just I guess because every single Christmas we, as a family, we wake up to Christmas music and the first thing that we do is run and open gifts in the Christmas tree and just being able to see everybody's excitement and, like, you know, their faces as they kind of – everybody sits down and they get handed a gift each and, like, just the anticipation of waiting for them to open my gift and seeing how excited they are when they receive it, I think that's ultimately what's worth it. 
Yeah. Yeah. In the article that you wrote for us, which is called Searching for the Perfect Christmas Gift, you also lament about how around Christmas time, a big aspect of that is consumerism. Now, just a, a hint for the audience, I personally don't celebrate Christmas mainly due to this thing. Uh, and I'm happy about it because I used to like, so for example, I used to work in retail at Coles yeah. and man, you have no idea. You have no idea how crazy it gets on December 24. It's so insane. Maybe people who have gone to the shops on December 24 and seen how busy it is, but imagine being there all day. You literally, the shops open at what, 6am in the morning mm. and they'll like open up the shutter and they'll be just like, Whoosh, this whole <laughs> flood of people running into the store and that does not stop till like 9 p.m. when the store closes well that's the time it would close in south australia when i used to work at coles now what do you think about this whole aspect of christmas like obviously for you you're a very organized person so you're getting onto it pretty early but <laughs> what do you think about it does it make you annoyed when you can't find a car park at the the shops when you're trying to get someone something in the whole december period what do you think about it um, yeah, definitely. There's been a few times over the Christmas period where especially like the car park situation, I've been in like, not me like getting angry, but like the other person getting angry at me for like stealing a car park and things like that. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, just like silly situations like that. Yeah, I think this world, like we have become more, I guess, focused on material items and yeah, I, I do believe it kind of has gone too far, like so much so where the whole focus during the Christmas period is it's supposed to be about God, um, supposed to be about Jesus, but people have kind of forgotten, yeah, about the real meaning of Christmas and they get lost in the presents and rushing everywhere, like rushing to the shops. And I know my family, they're, they're actually quite disorganized. I'm kind of the only one that's organized in my family besides my dad. So they're like the last minute people and it always stresses me out because they're the ones like rushing in the shops, like to, to try and buy things. And I'm there like, Oh, I like, I just can't, I can't deal with it. But <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a struggle. <laughs> just thinking about it and what you just said just sparks a thought in mind. Like you're right at the core of Christmas is the Christmas message, which fundamentally is about, Jesus' birth, right? That's the Christmas story, which we'll go into a bit later if you've never heard about it before or haven't really given it much thought. That's at the core of this thing. And yet, in the in amidst all the other public holidays that we have that are kind of disputed, like, for example, in Melbourne, you have Melbourne Cup Day. That's a public holiday. And yet, so many people are upset about Melbourne Cup Day because of the poor horses and the animal rights kind of stuff. Mm. You know, we have Australia Day, which again is disputed because it's argued as being Invasion Day. It's also can be like interpreted as being disrespectful to First Nations people. And yet Christmas has kind of survived even in a secular country because Australia is predominantly not Christian. Christmas has survived <laughs> intact it's almost universally accepted amongst whatever faith background, whether or not one even has a faith background. People still celebrate Christmas regardless of what their religious beliefs are. Why do you think that is? It's That's kind of a hard question. I think, <laughs> I think just because the way I think people love, firstly, I think people love the the whole aspect of coming together with family and friends. I think that's become 
a really important part of it. But I also think it's got to do with, I guess, like media advertising. It's a big time of the year for sales. There's just so much rush, like rushing to, yeah, go out and buy things. There's, I guess there's a lot of pressure on, on people to, to make a sale and yeah, to celebrate this time of the year. It's kind of turned into like advertising and media madness type of thing. And I feel like the more traditional values of Christmas have just been kind of put aside. Just adding my own two cents into there. I was just thinking about it. What would December look like without Christmas? Christmas in some ways, it, it really slows things down for people who, regardless of if you believe in Christmas, the Christmas message or whatever, just like what you mentioned exactly there about spending time with your family. When is there actually time to do that? You might do that on New Year's Eve or something, but if there wasn't for those few public holidays before the the new year, then it'd literally be working straight into New Year's Eve. You meet up with your friends on New Year's Eve, you have a New Year's Day off and then back to work. Whereas Christmas kind of really slows things down. Now, it's pretty interesting what you said there previously about the Christmas message or the spirit of Christmas being neglected. I guess someone who just sort of sees it as a, as a chance to hang out with their family might not know how that affects how you celebrate it. So obviously, you're thinking about all the things that anybody else is celebrating Christmas, like gift giving, meeting up with your family for Christmas, having the Christmas dinner, stuff like that, right? But how does your understanding of Jesus' birth and thinking about that change how you celebrate it? I think there's a lot more meaning in Christmas. It kind of goes beyond the gifts and even it goes beyond, I guess, a day to like celebrate with family. It just makes you, I guess, more grateful for the things that you have. And I I think there's just a feeling of gratefulness and feeling blessed. Yeah. Just, just to be around friends, family, all of that. Yeah. Now you're obviously part of a church. Does that church put on any activities around Christmas time that tie in with the Christmas story? Have you ever been a part of any of those? When I was younger, I was a part of Road to Bethlehem in Melbourne. I think I was like on the street or something. Like it wasn't like a main like role, but yeah, I, I loved like going to those events like Road to Bethlehem. Yeah, our church puts on like a Christmas service, I think the week before Christmas, which is really lovely. And I think our youth as well will have some sort of Christmas get together, Christmas dinner, which is really nice too. Yeah. So Road to Bethlehem is like a live action kind of, you walk through and there's people playing different roles from the Christmas story as it's described in the Bible, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, members from our church will volunteer to play different roles of people that were supposed to be there through that story, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard of these things happening around the country, and I know that they've stopped, I guess, because of COVID-19. It has made it quite complicated. There was actually uh, one that ran last year in WA. It wasn't called Road to Bethlehem. It was something else. This family put it on, and it's kind of cool that even despite all the challenges that the pandemic brings, that they're still able to do that. For someone, like it might seem a bit odd, I guess, uh, that there's people dressing up and being part of this story. And for them, even the idea that there's a significant message behind Christmas can be a bit new. So I just want to talk a little bit more about what is that story. 
now it centers around Jesus, right? Now, most people on the planet have heard of Jesus Christ because Christians, the, one of the biggest religions in the world, its name stems from Jesus' own name as far as followers of Jesus Christ. So, there was this man that walked on the earth a long time ago, right? And the Christmas message is actually celebrating when he was born. But the only thing is that it wasn't actually the birth date because no, no one actually knows the birth date, right? But we just celebrate it in December. Maybe we can backtrack there. Like, who is Jesus? Obviously, before he was born, there was the Hebrew texts, which were predicting that there was going to be a savior arriving, right? In fact, there was like, I think around 350 or more prophecies saying that there was going to be a savior, a king that was going to be arriving, right? Maybe we really do need to define who Jesus is before we, we go into any of this stuff. So from your understanding, obviously, Jesus' birth is the one that we celebrate during Christmas time. But why do people follow Jesus? Who is Jesus for someone who's never heard of Jesus before or doesn't understand his significance? Why was he on earth? What was his mission? Jesus ultimately came to this earth as our saviour. So he came to this earth as a baby and grew up in this world. Essentially, he's God's son. So he grew up in this world, in a sinful world, to yeah, to live among us and to die on the cross for us so that we can be saved. So even going back further then, there's Christians who believe that uh, God created the earth, right? And then, you know, there was two two people that were hanging out in the Garden of Eden and uh, things were perfect. And then God had instructed to not do this one thing, which they actually ended up doing, which was eating this forbidden apple. And this act of disobedience then brought sin into the world, right? Sin is this kind of term for, it's like Christians believe it's like a disease, right? Like it permeates into everything. It's the reason for why we die, it's the reason for why there's suffering in this world and decay. So Jesus, in sort of my understanding, he was actually sent by God to be in human form to understand what it's like being here on earth, right? And then, like you just mentioned there with his death, his death was actually that sacrifice that should anyone want to, they can accept God and then they could have salvation, which essentially means that one day Jesus will return again because after his death, Jesus actually resurrected and went back up to heaven. It means that if we choose to accept Jesus, there's going to be a time when Jesus is going to return and also take everybody who's accepted him back to heaven. When you look at that story as a whole, it seems like there's a lot of emphasis that should be put on the death part of it because that's kind of where the crux change came where, for example, because of that, our sins were forgiven and he took it for all of us and we can accept salvation. Like you said, if we choose to accept him, he will arrive and take us to be with him in heaven. There's a lot of like significance on that. That's why a lot of Christians will wear like a cross and stuff. That's why the cross is so significant. And that's what I guess people uh, celebrate during Easter, but Christmas seems to be way more popular. <laughs> now, from your understanding, why is the birth part of it more popular than seemingly the death part of it, which the death part of it changed everything? I think because the birth part of it is more of a celebration, whereas the death on the cross, I see that as more of, it's, it's a very like humbling, very sad 
thing. It, it is still a celebration in a way, but the birth, the fact that he is here, the fact that he has come to this earth and there's so many things that he did, so many miracles he performed. Yeah, just, just the fact that Jesus came is the big celebration. Yeah. Just to give this story some cred, because like I mentioned earlier, there was prophecies that a savior would be arriving, a savior that would save everybody. And, you know, a whole bunch of those predictions or prophecies, not just about how he would arrive, but then also how things would happen throughout his life, certain key events, even right through to how he would die and really specific stuff about how he died. Maybe we can kind of just have a look at the story itself there. The Bible was technically divided into like two sections. There's this, the first section is the Old Testament. The second section is the New Testament. So it's the first book in the second section. And the first chapter, it kind of describes how this whole event went down because it, it was under pretty crazy circumstances, right? So like, first of all, there was this couple. They were called Mary and Joseph. They weren't even married yet. And Mary, in a dream, she was told by the Holy Spirit that she will be giving birth to Jesus, and that this person, quote unquote, will save people from their sins. And Joseph didn't really know what to do about it because it wasn't like kind of the etiquette, I guess, at the time, right? Like it's it's kind of different to now. Like back then, it was a source of shame if you had a, a child out of wedlock and stuff, right? So he decided to to go ahead with it, and uh, yeah, then he took Mary as his wife. The circumstances as far as where this is set, right? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Because a lot of people who go to like what they call a nativity scene or whatever will see, you know, like a manger, I guess, in a stable. What's that all about? Because that's pretty like also humbling circumstances for the savior of the world to be born in, right? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, like you said, Jesus was born in a in a stable, Mary and Joseph were traveling to Bethlehem and they couldn't find any accommodation around the area and it was only until one innkeeper came and told them that they could stay in in the stables. So, yeah, she gave birth to Jesus there. I think these circumstances, I guess, show God's or Jesus' true, I guess, nature, his characteristics and his personality, the fact that he wasn't brought into this world, you know, in a fancy palace. He was born just, you know, like lying in a manger, surrounded by animals, most likely. And it's very humbling. It kind of just shows that he is willing to kind of get on our level and interact with us, I guess, as we are in our sinfulness just the humbleness of, of his character, yeah. Yeah, like you wouldn't expect it. And it, it's pretty interesting that, and this kind of is like a snapshot of Jesus' life. From the very beginning, like he was under like threat of oppression or death, right? Because there was this king called King Herod that was the ruler at the time who got wind of a king or a savior or being born in this place. He immediately felt threatened and was like sending people to suss it out, right? Mm. What happened there exactly? Because these three people actually, <laughs> in some ways, they started the whole gift giving thing <laughs> way back then. Yeah. So what actually what actually happened next? Yeah, so he sent to what we know three wise men to go and search for this this new king, and 
the angels appeared to them on their journey and they uh, followed a star. They had studied all the scriptures and, yeah, they recognized that there was going to be a star and that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. So, yeah, they followed the star and they found him in the manger, in the stable, and they essentially, they gave him gifts. I think it was frankincense and myrrh. Yeah, there's gold as well. And yeah. gold, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I guess you could say that is kind of where the gift-giving comes from, that, that whole tradition, yeah, of giving gifts. Yeah. A lot of things about this story is so unexpected. Like you wouldn't expect that the savior of the world, someone who, if you believe the Christian story or the the stories that's told in the Bible of, you know, sin entering the world and why things are so corrupt and so bad as we see around us, Jesus came as a solution to all that. That's something that you'd think would be celebrated or or Jesus would be give birth in (laughs) exactly like you said, a palace or something. And yet it was just the most humble of circumstances because God wanted to understand uh, rather than just being up in heaven, kind of looking down at the situation that was as it was playing out. God wanted to come and understand. And Jesus was God understanding and being here on earth. And from that very beginning, he was just being hounded already. Like people were trying to get him, take him out before he, he was even like, you know, growing up or anything or able to defend himself really. Is that something that you found is kind of a theme throughout Jesus' life? Like uh, when you just take a, a sketch look at Jesus' life? Yeah, I think definitely throughout his life, there's been so many times where I think just people have rejected him. So many different stories, even the religious leaders of that time, they kind of saw what he was teaching. They saw him practicing miracles and they just rejected his teachings They didn't believe that uh, a saviour like him could come down to this earth and be among the people, be humble enough to walk among the people, to teach them. And I think this is, like, really important because it just shows, like, how God cares so much for us, that he's willing to come and to send his son to die for us and... Yeah, he loves us so much that he's willing to go through all of that rejection, all of that pain and suffering for us so that we could, I guess, live with him in the future. So as we're kind of going into this Christmas period where, you know, obviously giving gifts and stuff as something is you're pretty adept at doing for your family and friends, pretty organized about it as well. And a lot of people out there are doing the same as well. How does one go about trying to find out more about the reason for the season and sort of applying that more into their lives? I would recommend, yeah, reading Matthew, reading the books of the Bible, the stories in the New Testament about Jesus, even just talking to a friend that you might know, might be Christian or religious, and talking to them about Jesus. If you have any questions, asking like a mentor or a pastor, there's also a lot of like resources available on the internet if you have time. I love to like watch sermons and podcasts and um, listen to podcasts as well. So anything like that you can use to just kind of find out more about who Jesus is. Yeah, cool bananas. Well, it's actually at the bottom of your article as well on our website. If anybody wants to go there and check out the article itself, it's called Searching for the Perfect Christmas Gift. At the bottom of your article, we actually have a link to a free course that people can do as well. The free course is called Try Jesus. 
pretty awesome course that you can try out if you would like to get to know more as well. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I want to sort of add in there these two books in, in the Bible. Firstly, the, the book of Matthew and the book of Luke as well. Both of those have quite a bit of detail about how Jesus' birth came about and the circumstances and stuff. That's a pretty good way to familiarize yourself with this story. Both of the books kind of bring different details and interesting tidbits into it. They kind of complement each other really well. So that's like, you know, Luke chapter one and then Matthew chapter one and two. Definitely recommend people to go check that out. And thanks, Kimberly, for, for joining us on the show. I hope that your uh, Christmas time this year is not too stressful. You deserve to kick back in Sydney in the city. Yeah, I hope you, you have an awesome one there with your family and friends as well. Thank you so much for having me. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au in Australia or signsofthetimes.org.nz in New Zealand.